0: We just invite you into our midst. God, I believe that you, you are present. I believe that you are here. I believe that you are, you are ready to, to jump in and to help us to overcome. But God, I also believe that, that we have a part to play in that process, and that is opening ourselves up to you. And so God, I pray on, on behalf of all of us here that God, to the best of our ability, we are gonna open ourselves to receive what it is that you have to say. Jesus would constantly say, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so, God, we want to hear what it is that you are doing and saying in our hearts today. God, we thank you. We thank you that you don't leave us behind these big boulders and behind these big mountains in our lives. But rather, you you have taught us that we are people that overcome. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. And amen, amen, and amen. Well, has anybody been loving these, this sunshine here lately? Anybody loving these warmer temperatures? You know what it just reminds me of? It reminds me that vacation season is on its way. Anybody excited about that? Anybody got, got like a couple, three people? We'll pray for the rest of you, right? right. we still got the beach. That's the beautiful thing about living in San Diego is that you are not far away. But it is, it is upon us, and it is upon me, and I'm excited about it, excited about vacation season, which means... I've been working on my fitness a little bit. Anybody else? Anybody else working on their fitness a little bit? See a couple I okay, get a hand, a couple see a head nod, all that kind of stuff. And you know the drill. You already know the drill. What is it? I so said, we're drinking a little bit more water, right? Maybe putting down that, that chick-fil-A sweet tea a little bit, not, not as much, getting that water going. Maybe trading out those, uh, trading out that, that chick-fil-A sandwich for a couple of kale salads. How many here, are like, if you get to heaven, you just ask God to go ahead and eliminate all the kale in the world, right? It's like, no more kale, God, did my part, right? Doing all doing all of it, working out. We just moved recently, and uh, our new place has a, has an a attached garage in it, which is great, because uh, for me, new parents, and not a lot of time, uh, I, I do little workouts on my phone. Uh, I follow these couple of trainers on YouTube, all that kind of stuff, so it's been great. Although my, eight and a half, my eight-month-old daughter probably think dad's a little bit crazy. It's like, why does he keep jumping up and down? down and jumping all over the place, right, all that kind of stuff, but been going really good, but then something happened, <laughs> birthday cake happened, birthday cake happened, right, it just came out of nowhere, right, has anybody ever had that experience, right, you're like, you're doing good, you're doing good, and then it's like all of a sudden someone just throws a birthday cake like right at the side of your head, right, and it's like birthday cake, and I was doing good, and you know, and I was going into it, and I, and I thought to myself, I had a little inner internal dialogue, which we all do, I had that inner conversation with myself, I thought, you know what? it's your birthday. Anybody else? Come on, you guys are looking at me like so holy back there, right? It's like, I thought, it's my birthday. And then I, and I thought this, I thought, you know what? I worked out earlier today, right? It's like, I earned that thing. But then there was another little voice. There was another little voice that said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. You're in vacation mode right now. You're, you're, you're heading towards it, right? It's like, you don't wanna be that guy, right? So, so just just keep going. Keep moving in that direction. And so, I did the right thing. I said, "You know what? Pass me that birthday cake, right? I said, "Pass it over here, right? Have you ever have you ever have you ever get in your own way? You ever get in your own way before? Anybody you ever get in your own way? How about this? Any of you you ever had a deadline whether it was for school or for work and then rather than just jumping on it and getting it done, you thought to yourself, "After this Episode on Netflix. After that one, I'm going to do the thing, right? You're real quiet, which means that I know that I'm hitting a lot of people in the room on that one, right? How about this? Uh, what about relationships? You ever been in a relationship and you're and you're ready to take it to the next level? But the next thing that you find, you realize that you find yourself fighting over which side the toilet paper should go, whether it's on top or bottom, which everybody knows that it's in the scripture that it goes on top. Amen? Oh, we are not following me on that one. Okay, clap. Oh, yeah, there's a clap right there, right? Well, what about this? Finances, anytime we're trying to get out of debt, anytime we're trying to improve our finances, and then all of a sudden, we look at the bank account, the bank statement, and we wonder how in the world can anybody spend so much money at Target in one month? Or Costco, guys, I don't want to be an equal, equal hater in the room right now, right? Everybody. Or about this, Spiritually. You made a decision, maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks, maybe Easter, you're jumping back in here, and and you want to grow, you want to get closer to God, maybe that was a New Year's resolution, that type of thing, and then it feels like everything is opposing that goal. Have you ever got in your own way before? You see, for me, the, the story with the birthday cake, the birthday cake is just a small part of a larger narrative in my own life. You see, the birthday cake is not the problem. Do you know what the problem is? The problem is me. You see, and here we're, here we're in a conversation about how do we overcome these mountains in our life. Here's my question for us this morning. How do we overcome the mountain when the mountain is me? Isn't that a good question? And isn't that a lot of the things that we wrestle with in our life? That the, when we're trying to overcome, we're trying to get from point A to point B, the problem is it's not necessarily something else, it's Me. The good news is, is this, the Bible is full of stories and characters of people that had to overcome themselves in order to become the people that God had called and created them to be. Is that good news? That's good news. And that's the story we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at the book of Mark, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14. And as you head in that way, I'm going to set up some context for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop thinking about birthday cake. Tell them. So Mark chapter 14, I'm going to give a bit of context and we'll we'll read the passage together. But so we've just celebrated Easter a couple of weeks ago. You got to understand something. Uh, For Jesus's followers, the period of time prior to Easter um, was kind of a rough time. You see, they, they, were, they were, things were going good. They had lots of likes on their Instagram. They had lots of followers on their Twitter. They were invited to parties. Like, things were very, very good. But Jesus kept talking about how he was going to die. You see, they had the guy on their team that was like the best player, and so they didn't worry about anything. And then he's talking about how he's not gonna be around a whole lot. And as they led into Easter, Sure enough, the thing that he predicted, the thing that he said came true and they had a, had a really rough time because now they weren't that person. They were on the outside. A dude that had a really, really hard time was this guy named Peter. Say Peter. Peter. Peter had a really, really hard time. Peter was this guy who would say things when he should have been quiet. He would stand up when he should have sat down. He was kind of always doing the opposite type of a thing. But Peter particularly had a rough time. And so we're gonna pick up his story because he had some stuff to overcome in his own life. So, we're going to be in chapter 14, beginning in verse 27. If you've got it, would you say, I got it. We'll have the screen on, We'll have it on the screen just for you. Here we go. It says this. This is Jesus. <laughs> and right after he just had communion with him, right after he just had this like nice moment. Have you ever had a nice moment with somebody that you care about? And then the next thing that you know, they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you owe me $50, right? Has anybody ever had like one of those moments where it's like, what? What? We just had a nice moment. I thought you forgot about the 50 bucks, right? So Jesus, he, he, they just sat down. They had communion together. And, you know, they had this great moment. And then Mark, the way that Mark records the story is right after that, Jesus says this, by the way, you will all fall away. All you people that have been following me, all you people that said that you're going to be, be, be this and be that, you're all going to fall away. And then he quotes scripture. He says, because it's written, I'm going to strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'm going to go ahead of you into Galilee. Meaning y'all are going to leave and you're going to go back to where you came from, but I'm going to go ahead of you and I'll be in Galilee. Eventually you'll catch up to where I'm at. And you got to love Peter. Next verse. Peter says this, even if all fall away, I will not. Does anybody have a friend like that? You anybody have a friend like this? It's like you're like, hey, I'm your dude, I'm your woman, I'm whatever, I'm gonna be there till the end. Peter says, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah. You don't know what you're talking about. Even if everybody falls away, I will not. And it goes on. Next one. Jesus kind of doubles down on Peter. He says, Truly, I tell you. Peter, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. Kind of, Peter kind of steps up, and if you've ever been in a situation where, like, you put your head up, sometimes that's the head that gets hit, right? Peter pops his head up, and he says, no, 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 that's not going to happen, and Jesus says, Peter, for you, tonight, before the rooster cries twice, you're going to disown me, not walk away, he says, disown me. Me. So that's something you should never tell your children, by the way. Don't ever tell your children. You're going to disown them. But he says, I'm going to disown you. It goes on. This last part. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Isn't that great? Peter jumps up. He says, I'm not going to leave you. Even if I have to die, I will never disown you, and I love this part at the end, and all the others said the same, because if the guy steps up and he does it, what are you going to say? Well, yes, I will, I will do the same thing, right? But Peter kind of doubles down, but I want you to see something this morning. What Jesus was doing, Jesus was identifying Peter's brokenness, Peter was, Jesus was identifying the thing. He was like, listen, Peter, if you'll listen to me, I'm pointing to the thing that that is keeping you from becoming the person that you're supposed to become. I'm identifying your mountain. I'm identifying the place where you are broken. And what does Peter do? Yes, Lord, tell me more. No, Peter does something that we all do. He powers up, he bows up. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. Maybe I wasn't clear when I said, even if everybody falls away, I won't. If I've got to die, I won't disown you. And Jesus was putting his finger right on Peter's brokenness. Hear this this morning. The key to overcoming anything is identifying the thing that needs to be overcome. The key to overcoming anything is is identifying the thing that needs to be overcome. How do you know that you've gotta get over this mountain unless you know what the mountain is? And so Jesus was pointing at that, he was saying, Peter, 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 and Peter totally blew past it. He says, no, 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 I won't do it. Now this is key for us. Rather than listening and trusting that Jesus might know Peter and us better than Peter knew himself, he powered up. He said, that won't be me. Is anybody married in the room? Anybody married in the room? Is anybody, does anybody have like, a, you, you, you have siblings, like you live with siblings, maybe you're younger, you have, you have other, you have siblings, uh, I see a couple, a couple hands there. Anybody you uh, maybe you've, you've moved out of the house? Uh, any parents you would say Amen to that? Any Amens to that one? Right? You moved out of the house. anybody Anybody have any roommates? Right? Anybody have roommates? That kind of a thing. Okay. So mo- most of the people, most people here, you've got somebody else that you live with. Yes, most of us, right? I know there's some people that, that don't, but but most of us, those that live with another person, do you are you do you think that you could pick out and point out their mountain in their life? I heard, a, I heard a no. I heard I heard a couple of nervous head shakes after I said that. Right, right. Those that are married. Those that are married. Do you think that you could point out maybe 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 the other person's flaw in their life? Oh, pastor, you are treading on some thin ice. My wife raised her hand. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know what to say after that. Right. <laughs> I didn't know my wife was going to throw me under the bus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but those that those that have lived, lived with other people, you're you're able to identify what their thing is, right? You, you, you can you can identify like, yeah, this is the thing. Like late, you know, whatever it is. The same thing is happening here. He's just not paying attention. But if you if you if you're in the room and you don't know what your mountain is, we're gonna get there. If you don't know what your obstacle is, if you don't know what your challenge is, those that you live with, those that are in your life, if you have enough courage, ask them what your mountain might be. Oh, move, pastor, move, move. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Peter's mountain was insecurity. Peter, the reason that Peter would be bold and and he would be... um, Impulsive, it was because it was linked to this insecurity that Peter had. He was constantly stepping out. He was constantly doing things to see if Jesus would affirm Peter. And so his thing was insecurity. So if you ever wonder what your mountain is, just pay attention to the places that you power up. Because Jesus was putting his finger right on Peter's insecurity. There's a, um, one of my favorite uh, people here in the church is a, a guy named Vern. Some of you know Vern. He's 93, uh, um, 93 years old. Vern uh, served in World War II. Yeah, you can <laughs> clap up that dude. <clears throat> served in World War II. And uh, man, if you ever like, he would love to have you take him out to coffee or breakfast. I'm just giving you a little plug, Vern. Take this guy out, right? World he, he tried to become a Marine, um, but they wouldn't let him. Do you know why? Because he was 17. He wasn't old enough to go serve in World War II. And so they, so they said, go, go down, go down and, and join the Navy. And so that's what he did. He joined the Navy and, and served uh, in World War II and was on a ship for three years. Didn't see land. Incredible story. But one of the things um, about World War II is that there was a, there was a phrase that was birthed from, uh, from that time era, and it was from the, the bomber pilots in World War II. And the bomber pilots would say this. They would say, whenever, whenever you're over the target is when you're gonna catch the flak. Whenever you get close to something is when you're gonna experience the turbulence. And so you see, the same thing happened in Peter's life. As Jesus kind of hovered over that thing, All of a sudden, there was some flack. There was some powering up. So if you want to identify this thing, the thing that's in your life, just pay attention to where you get a little sensitive. Peter's story goes on. In verse 66, Peter, the big, strong Peter, I'm not going to fall away. I'll never disown you. It goes on in verse 66. It says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. What's it say? Let's say it together. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Let's say it again. Again, Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them. Did you know that cursing is in the Bible? Does that make you feel a little bit better about yourself, right? (laughs) On your Monday morning commute, right? Okay, keep moving. He says, No way. I don't know this man. I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. There was a reporter that asked um, Mike Tyson, who's a famous boxer, um, was talking to him about an upcoming fight that he had. It was about an opponent. This was before Mike Tyson was you know, the champ, all that kind of stuff. And, and was asking him, Mike, are you, are you worried about this, this opponent? He, he's got a longer reach, he's taller you know, Moose, You know, is able to get around. All that kind of stuff has a has a great game plan. Has a great trainer. All that kind of stuff. And Mike Tyson. Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, and probably the only time I'll ever quote Mike Tyson in church. Look, look to the look to the reporter and said, "Everybody's got to plan. No, I'm just kidding. But he said this. He said, "Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth." You see, Peter, Peter goes to Jesus and he says, listen, not going to happen. I know, this is who I am. I know who I am. I, I know what's going to happen. And then he gets punched in the mouth by a servant girl that says, hey, don't you, uh, aren't you that person? And he bottoms out. The person, he had his plan. He knew what he was going to do. He knew who he was going to be. But then life hit him in the face and he bottomed out. Hear this this morning. Sometimes when you are so blind to your own brokenness and to your own mountain, God will allow you to bottom out. If you ever look at your life and and you're looking at certain things, and this is what we do a lot of the times when we bottom out, when it was our decisions, when it was the thing that we do, what do we look, what do we do? We raise our fists to the sky. God, where were you? The whole time God was saying, I told you that this was going to happen. Showing you, shouting at you, trying to get you to pay attention to this thing. Peter bottomed out. Turn to your neighbor and say, let me hear that Mike Tyson again. (laughs) Now, it's easy. You know why I love Peter's story? Because it's easy to be a Monday morning uh, quarterback. It's easy to sit back and point out all his flaws. It's easy to sit back and say, oh yeah, well Peter, that's the guy that says stuff when he shouldn't say stuff. He was insecure, all that kind of thing. But what about our own mountains? What about the stuff in our own life? Now, there are external factors. Hear me. There are things that happen in our life. There are decisions that other people make that impact us, that become mountains in our life. Yes, yes. Right? things that parents do um you know things that, that strangers do all that all that kind of stuff where we're impacted uh by these things and and that's an issue but that's not where i'm going this morning where i want to go this morning is is internally internally and i want to look at i want to look at something specifically our beliefs your belief system i want to target that thing right there beliefs now what's a belief come on play with me what's a belief Something we do, okay. Something you believe, something you believe okay. Something you're certain, something you're certain. Certain. Certain, in. certain in something. Something you're certain in. So uh, this definition that I pulled was exactly what that was, and it was this: a belief is that a feeling of certainty about something, a feeling of certainty about something. Now, I want to I want to illustrate this uh, for us this morning. You see, a belief, a belief is just an idea unless it has legs. A belief is just an idea unless it, can, unless it can stand up on its own. So this is our belief. Now, for example, I believe that I am a big LeBron James fan. Oh, is that not funny? Anybody else, right? I believe that I am a big LeBron James fan, that I am a bigger LeBron James fan than you are. You're probably saying, well, good good luck, buddy. Go ahead, right? Here's why. Here's why I believe that. Now, without having legs to stand on, it's just an idea. It just lays flat. It just looks like this. If I just tell you this, it's like, uh, you have nothing to support that idea. It, it's, it's just another idea, Right? Now, if we start to put some legs into it, we can we can I can show you why I am a bigger Lebron James fan than you. This is a very important important point this morning. Me being a bigger Lebron James fan than you, right? Here's why. One, I'm from Ohio. Hallelujah, right? I'm from Ohio, and when I was in 10th uh, 11th grade, I got to see. LeBron James play when he was in high school. So that's my first my first leg. Second one is that I watch almost every single one of his games. Turn to your neighbor and say, tell that guy to get a life, right? (laughs) Love LeBron James. Watch his games. I'm going the wrong way. You just got to believe. There we go. There we go. There we go. The other thing, the reason that I am a, a big LeBron James fan is that I know how to screw in a leg. Just joking. There we go. Is that I have a LeBron James jersey. (laughs) That's right. I have a LeBron James jersey. And I am 34 years old and not afraid to admit that also. And then finally, I'm a bigger LeBron James fan than you because in June of 2016, when they won... The NBA Finals, I screamed like a little girl, right? And cried, which means that I am a, am a bigger LeBron James fan than you. You see, when it's just a belief, it doesn't have any, it, without legs, it's just an idea. But when we put legs to it, then it becomes something different. Then it becomes something that you can stand on. A Belief is something that you can stand on that has, has evidence. Now, here's the other side to that equation, is that there are empowering and disempowering beliefs in our life. In your life, you have, things, you have things that you believe that empower you, like I am a good worker. Here's why. I've worked here. My, my uh, supervisor said I do a good job. I show up on time, and I'm very competent in my job. Therefore, I am a good worker. We have the empowering beliefs. But we also have these things called disempowering beliefs, and a disempowering belief is something that says this, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. I'm a failure. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good whatever, fill in the blank. And we have, and the reason that we have these beliefs and these ideas is because we'll pull things. Like the one that says, I'm not good enough, oh, well, that's because when I was in fifth grade, that person said that. And then I had this relationship that didn't work out, and so that's that leg. And then we just add these things until we stand on our beliefs. Here's the beautiful thing, and this is why it's super important and why I spent time this morning trying to get us to identify and mine for what are the, what are the mountains, what are the obstacles, what are the challenges in our life, because these beliefs, especially the, the disempowering ones, these things are often the thing that keep us from getting to where we want to be. The things that we believe, that we believe are true about ourselves are often the biggest barriers that, that keep us from what God has for our life. When you anchor yourself to a belief that, that that God isn't real or that God doesn't care or that or that people are just a pain, or I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not worthy of these things. When we do that, it keeps us from, that belief keeps us from what God has for us. Now, here's the beautiful thing, and, and I know that it's painful. It's painful to identify disempowering beliefs. Say yes. It's, it's painful to do these things. I get that. And on your outlines, when you get a chance, you can see there's the power of broken beliefs of broken beliefs, to to take some time maybe this week and identify these things, because here's why. What God does, these things, these beliefs that feel so big to us and they feel so insurmountable, our mountains are the materials that God uses to bring transformation. God uses these things, he uses these disempowering things, these things that are broken, he uses them to, to build us up and to become the building materials that God uses for our transformation. Say amen to that, right? Amen to that. And that's why it's critical for us to identify these things. Look, look at the story very quickly this morning. In the story, Peter has a before and after moment, right? Before we look at Peter's process, let's look at like it has his after moment. So in a moment, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture because Peter goes from this guy who who totally bottomed out. He told Jesus that I'm going to be this, I'm going to accomplish these things, and then when, when push came to shove, or as Mike Tyson would say, he got punched in the mouth, we find him, he, he, he totally bottoms out. But then when we pick up his story again, we find him on this other side, and, and he's a different person. That, that something, something happened here in this middle. Something happened here in this process. And so let's, let's pick up his story in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. It says, Peter, and I'm just going to paraphrase, paraphrase a bunch of verses and just put them in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, two sentences. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. All of a sudden, Peter... Went from this person who who couldn't stand up to, to a servant girl to over here, and he's proclaiming to thousands of people what God who God is. This Jesus who you crucified, he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, He is this person. All of a sudden he becomes super bold. What happened? In the middle. You see what God did, this is important too. God did not surgically remove some part of Peter's brain to where he became a completely different person. Rather, what, what what God did with Peter was he he went through this part and God transformed him. And he came out on the other side, the person that God had really called and created him to be. He went through this thing, but God used it to, to bring transformation. God used it as transformational material, and the way that God does it is that he overwhelms us with his love and his goodness and his forgiveness. Peter, if anybody should have got kicked out, it would have been Peter. Come on now, if you're you're picking a team of disciples after Peter does this, is he on your team? Say no, right? Peter doesn't make it. Peter had his chance. He had his big moment in the spotlight and he blew it, right? But what God does is instead of that, instead of saying, Peter, you're out, He totally overwhelms him with his love and his forgiveness. And he comes back to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And three times he makes him say, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And God completely restores him. You see, what God does with us and for us, is that when we make mistakes, when we're this person and we fail and we, and we, and we let others down and, and we just can't get over this mountain, what God does is he doesn't say, okay, you're disqualified. Oh, you've been through one marriage? Then you'll never be lovable. Oh, you, you aren't a good parent? Well, then I'm not gonna give you another child. God doesn't do these things. Instead, what God does is he, he totally overwhelms us with his love and his forgiveness, He says, I see you. I know what you've been through. I know the mountain in your life. I know that belief system that you have operating in your head. I know that you feel unlovable. I know that you feel not good enough, but I have something different to say to you. I love you. You're forgiven. And he totally overwhelms us. And you know what happens? You know what happens when you just overwhelm somebody with love? They smile. And God just warmed him, overwhelmed him with all of these things. And it had this transformational effect on Peter's life. And when he got on the other side and he got an opportunity to profess who Jesus was, he said, this is the Messiah. This is the person. But God uses this stuff. He uses these things as as building materials to build transformation in our life. And there's a transformational process as well. Your mountain is the building material God uses to bring transformation. It's like God does this. It's like God goes into the, the broken lumber yard of our life. This is what God does. You're here on this side, and you have this insurmountable belief system in your life. Whatever that is, right? You've identified it, not good enough, whatever it is, not worthy enough. You've got this thing that you just can't get over. And it's like, God, can't you just like pick me up and drop me off on the other side? And it's like, this is what God does. It's like he just goes into the, into the broken lumber yard of our, of our lives and he say, oh yeah, he said, uh, give me a little bit of that, uh, oh, you're not lovable. Let me get that. Uh, let me get a, bit, a little bit of that, uh, you're, you're, you have a low self-worth. Let me get that. Oh, someone said something terrible to you when you were in fifth grade. Go ahead and let me bring that, get, grab that one. Oh, your, your parents were that way when you were a teenager. Okay, cool. Bring all of those things to me because this is what I'm gonna do. I'm going to build something beautiful with it. I'm going to use those broken pieces. I'm going to use the things where you thought you were a failure, and I'm going to build something beautiful so that you can experience transformation in your life. Amen? Amen. This is what God does. This is the beauty of following Jesus. This is the beauty of of surrendering our life to God, is that he doesn't doesn't just leave us with these broken uh, boneyards in our life. Rather, he says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. If anybody wanted to hide, do you think Peter wanted to hide? Yes Yes, is the answer to that. And I'm sure he wanted to hide. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. We're going to restore you because I have beautiful things for you on the other side. So this morning, what do we do, right? What do we do with this? You know, it's interesting, we've talked about Peter's before moment, we've talked about Peter's after moment, but in the scripture, when you read the scripture, there's a significant event that happens that enables Peter to become who God created him to be. In Acts chapter 2 and at the end of Luke, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Meaning, stay, stay in that point of pain. Stay in the place where you denied me. Stay in that place of brokenness until you receive power from on high. In a moment, I want to give us an opportunity to do something maybe brave. In a moment, we've, we've, we've cleared out the front of the room here because I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your mountain so that you can receive God's spirit for your life. In a moment, I'm gonna gonna invite you. You don't have to. You don't have to respond to this at all. Maybe I'm speaking to a couple of people, but I wanna give you an opportunity because I wanna pray for you. And what I wanna pray is that I wanna pray that you would would surrender the mountain, that you would surrender this thing, that you would surrender this this belief system, this, this thing where you think, I'm not this, I'm not that. And you, and you feel like you've got evidence, but you look at these legs. I, I, you know, this is, this is who I am. This is true. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender this mountain so that you can receive God's Spirit for your life. And the passage, the difference, it wasn't that Peter went and took a class. It wasn't that Peter memorized a verse. It was that Peter received the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, and it is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes these broken pieces and God puts them together to build something beautiful. And so a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I want you to come, you come. I'm just gonna, I've got a little bit of oil and and oil, all it is is symbolic of the Holy Spirit working in your life and I'm gonna pray for you. Simple prayer, but I wanna give you an opportunity. Listen, let this be a part of your process. Let this be a part of your healing process this morning. Allow God to take the broken stuff in your life and build something beautiful. In my own life, I, I uh, was the second born and um, my, my, my older brother, he got a lot of the attention from my dad. and no, no fault to my dad. It was just how I interpreted it, all that kind of stuff. But I, but I, I felt this calling to be a pastor. But, but I never felt good enough to pastor a church. I, I didn't feel qualified. I, I'd made mistakes in my life. You know, I just built up this belief system that, that, that I'm not good enough to pastor a church. And over time, God would say, bring me this piece. That part where you felt not loved by your dad, bring me that part. This part where you feel not qualified, bring me this piece. This part where you just feel like maybe you're not that qualified, bring me that part. And over time, what God did was he brought these pieces together. And he said, you are good enough to pastor a church. I have called you. I love you. I have great things for your life. You see, it's not, God didn't do this for me because I'm a special person. This is who God does because he's God. So I want to give you this opportunity to do that. But before I do, let me finish with this story. For thousands of years, it, it, was, it, was, it was believed that running a four-minute mile was impossible. Thousands and thousands of years, they thought it was impossible for a human being to run a four-minute mile. And then in 1954, a guy named Roger Bannister, I think I have a picture of this. Roger Bannister, 1954, uh, broke the four-minute mile marker. Thousands of years. Think about this. Thousands of years. No, they thought it was impossible to to run and run fast, beat a four-minute mile, and nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. But Roger, he believed something different. He believed that it was possible. He believed that he did have the ability. And he rehearsed this in his mind, and he and he got out the belief that it's not possible, and he replaced it with the belief that it is possible. And in 1954, he he crossed that finish line in a, a sub-four-minute mile. Now. Here's like the really interesting thing about his story. After Roger did this, within one year, 37 other people ran a sub-four-minute mile. And two years after that, 300 people were able to run under a four-minute mile. Hear this. What if, what if, what God is asking you to do, right? By by surrendering your mountain, by receiving your spirit, receiving God's spirit, right? Surrendering this belief system, surrendering this thought that I'm not lovable, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, all that kind of stuff. What if, yes, God wants to bring transformation to your life, but what if God also wants to bring transformation to your family? What if he wants to bring transformation to your children? What if your kids get to grow up differently than you had to grow up? What if if your grandkids get to hear something different than you're not lovable, but rather you are loved? You see, the thing that God is doing in our life is always something that he's building up that he can do through our life. And so I wanna give us an opportunity. The band is gonna play so that we can uh, create a little bit of uh, environment, atmosphere, so that we can have a little bit of silence and, and, or I'm sorry, uh, just a little bit of solitude up here so that I can pray with you. But I want to invite you. I want to invite you. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to come. If you would like me to pray with you and anoint you with oil, that you would give up the mountain, that you would you would surrender the mountain so that you can receive God's spirit, And I want to do that. Would you let me pray for us, and then I'll invite you. God, you're at work. You're, you're, you're speaking to us. God, Peter's story isn't in the Bible so that we can learn what not to do, but rather Peter's story is in the Bible so that we can see and know that we can experience transformation ourselves. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you, I'm gonna get out of the way and and, and give people an opportunity to respond. But God, I'm asking that you would break things this morning. I'm asking God that you would dismantle and disempowering beliefs, God, so that people can walk out of here lighter, freer, ready to ready to chase after what you have for them, and not be saddled anymore by these by these destructive mountains in our life. So we invite you now, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, and Amen, Amen, and Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing, but I'm going to invite you if you want.